time. Excellent. Woohoo! I did it. We did it. Excellent. Here we are. Everything's Relative Podcast. 100th episode. This is a podcast where we talk about DNA discoveries. And as of today, I have officially done it 100 times. <laughs> um, if you're new here, wow. Come on in. What a day to show up. If you've been around for a while, thanks for being here with me. Um, you may have heard over the time, over the past episodes, I, you would already... Wow, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say you probably know that I didn't know if I could make it this far. It, you know what's so funny? <laughs> it, just, it just occurred to me as I was saying that. Am I supposed to act like it was easy to get here? Like other people that are like, God, she's always talking about how hard it is. I mean, I'm sure those people are out there. Hi, people. Um, whatever. Like, no big deal. 100 episodes. Just another day. Easy peasy. But no way. I can't. <laughs> this podcast means so much to me. It's such a part of my life. It's become a big part of my family's life. Um, but it's also not been easy. You guys know that. I really wish I could be nonchalant about 100 episodes. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to a pizza place near here, near me, to celebrate. I have invited friends and listeners, guests. Hey, if you were a guest on this show, or you listen, or you're my friend, or none of those things, but you do want some cake, please come. Everyone's invited. Open invitation. I'm going to be at McLeod's Pizza and Ale House on York Boulevard. It's a very hard name to say. McLeod. I'm assuming they're Scottish. It's going to be tomorrow, Saturday, September 16th from 530 to 8. I'm going to be there. What should I wear? What are you going to wear? Let's connect. But anyway, okay, so that's tomorrow. Today. Let's focus on today. Today, I interview Jack Franzak. This is a big episode, my friends. Not because it's episode 100, but because Jack's story is big. He has a big story in every way. It's already big enough to be two books. One is called The Foundling. The other is called True Identity. There's also a documentary film about it called The Lost Sons that you can go see on Discovery+. Plus produced by CNN. Jack himself is now working as an advocate to help others in similar situations. I've been around while he's been trying to launch some big projects. It's all very exciting. And in fact, it's so exciting. And Jack's story is so big that sometimes I'm not sure, I'm not really sure I can see the real Jack. At some point, it's appropriate for me to say he grew up with the name Paul and then now goes by Jack. And there's a reason for that, and we may get to it in this episode. But I'm saying that now so that if you're searching for those books or that movie, um, they talk about a man named Paul Franzak. That's the same person that I'm talking about, Jack. Anyway, his story is very big. Um, and sometimes I'm not even sure that I really see him or he sees him. So that's, that's what I wanted to talk about. I was trying to sort of peel something back. And I don't know. I don't man know if I managed to, to dig very deep. But I also have to say, for talking with someone about such heavy issues, I also, <laughs> I admit that I had a pretty good time. You can listen here and decide for yourself what you think of Jack's story. You can tell me what you think of my poking and prodding. 
and where it all fits into our world of discovery and identity exploration. Before we go, a warning to listeners. Uh, trigger warnings abound. They abound in Paul's story. So um, make sure that you're taking care of yourself today, especially if you are a sensitive soul. Or skip this episode. There's lots of other things to listen to. I'm here either way at the end. Here we go. This is Jack Franzak with Eve Sturgis on Everything's Relative Podcast. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm curious, when you, if you're just like a dinner party, right? So, okay, so go with me here. So, like, we're at, we're at a dinner party, and then... I go outside to smoke a cigarette. I don't smoke, but let's just go with it. And then you also really need a cigarette. So like we're out in the smoking area. And then I say, so what's your deal? But maybe you wouldn't really actually just like leap in to launch into this at a dinner party with a cigarette. I probably wouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, probably wouldn't. So how do you, when you're in a, when you're, I mean, I don't know, I guess. So, so like, there's lots of situations, I guess I can think of where people would be, would, where it would be appropriate work, work business wise or um, media wise, or, or, you know, I don't know, like everyone's sitting around telling little bits about their, their story. What do you, what is the first thing you say about you and your story? The first thing I say, usually I say, it's a, it's a story about mistaken identity, kidnapping, murder true story and it's my life that's it now i walk away and then you yeah i mean like that's a real that's a real uh oxygen sucker <laughs> i don't know it's a word called like that's a real uh-huh that's one way to do it you don't even just say like it's complicated i don't need to and then everyone goes no come on jack tell come on tell them the story less is more right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right so you say mistaken identity kidnapping murder Possible murder, yeah. Possible murder. How do you describe yourself to people? About five, ten and a half. <laughs> Middle-aged. Like, do you say, like I'm trying, I don't even know how to describe the question, but people say like, I'm an NPE or like, I'm here because I'm, I wrote a memoir about adoption or I'm, I'm an advocate for X, Y, and Z. Do you have a way that you describe yourself? Mm, I never thought about it. I mean, like, like if we're at like a, a conference or something, right, where everyone knows what MPE is, right, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So it depends on what the setting is, but I'm usually just right. Just walk up and say, "Hi, I'm Jack." Mm-hmm. Your story, you know, something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I don't, I don't lead with 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 my story. Right. You don't just, you don't just go walk around in the grocery store. Just <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm Jack. Guess what? I've got two books and a movie out. So let's just start with you. This is where I want to start with you as a little boy, this part of the story, and you find a newspaper clipping. Yeah. I was 10 years old. I was in the crawl space. My mom was upstairs. My dad was at work. 
And I was snooping around looking for Christmas presents because it was close to Christmas time. And I thought, where would they put them? It's got to be in the crawl space. So I moved the couch. I opened the crawl space and I crawled inside. And in the back, I saw all these boxes. And I thought, that's got to be it. It's got to be the big score. So I crawled over, right? Army low crawl to the boxes, start opening them. And I found all these newspaper clippings and then letters, sympathy cards, all talking about this kidnapping. We're so sorry for your loss. And, you know, on the headlines, uh, a big hunt drags on for kidnapped child. 10,000 search for missing Franzek boy. Picture of my mom and dad crying on the front of the newspaper. And I saw a picture of my parents. And then I saw the baby picture and it said, Paul Joseph Franzek kidnapped from Michael Reese Hospital. And I, you know, being the smart kid that I am, I thought, well, I'm Paul Joseph Franzek. So that's got to be about me. So I grabbed one of the clippings and I ran upstairs to my mom and I said, oh my gosh, what, what is this? I found this in the crawl space. My mom was doing dishes or something and she turned around, looked at me and her face just got red. She said, how dare you snoop around the house? Those aren't your things. And she was just visibly shaking. And I said, but this is about me, right? This is me. She looked at me and she said, you were kidnapped. We found you. We love you. We'll never talk about this again. She went back to doing her stuff. And I was like, what the fuck? Right? I mean, this is nuts. So I kind of pouted and went back downstairs. And we never talked about it again. But I never, ever forgot that. I mean, how could you? It was a game changer for sure. So how how old were you when you then decided, okay, I'm going to revisit that moment and reopen this conversation? About 117. You were no, 100. <laughs> no. So it's, uh, I never really forgot about it. Mm-hmm. I um, Growing up, I started noticing things like I wasn't like their other son, David, my supposed brother. He had like a certain easiness with them. He could get away with whatever he wanted, but he never did anything wrong. Oh, one of those. Yeah, he just felt really comfortable with my parents. He looked just like my dad. And I didn't look like either of them. And my personality was different. And I was drawn to music and acting and always playing different people. It's like I wasn't happy being myself. And that started at a young age. I was doing plays in in high school and stuff like grammar school, things like that. And so I just, I, I just, whenever I moved, like I left home at a very early age, I was supposed to go to college, but I ended up hooking up with a rock and roll band at 18. And I told my parents, I'm not going to college. I'm going to move to Arizona to be in this rock and roll band. And I just left, but I brought a handful of clippings with me and I kept them and I still have them wherever I went. I might lose certain items in the moves, but I always had those clippings. And to this day, I still have them. So it was a huge part of my life. I just didn't know why or when. Did you you keep them from the moment you found them when you were 10? Or did you crawl back into that crawl space and get them later when you were left? I crawled back in. Okay. You know, when I had a little more time and I started reading them, I'm like, oh, I'm taking this. (laughs) So I kind of put them, hit them, you know, I used to hide them. I had an album collection in my closet and I put them inside the album. Of course. Brilliant. Yeah. It was smart. Did you ever talk to friends about it? I, you know, I, I did a little bit. It was kind of a cool thing to talk about, you know. Hey, you know, I was, I was, I was kidnapped. And they found me. It was a pretty cool story, right? 
because I, I grew up in Oak Lawn. It's kind of a small, smaller town, you know, outside of Chicago's southern suburb. What would your friends say? Oh, it's a cool story. You know, I think some of them believed this, some of it didn't, but their parents knew, right? You know, because it was pretty, pretty big story. But then when I got older, I would use it for like kind of like a pickup line, you know, picking up girls and stuff. It's a great way to, you know, right? It's intriguing. It's exciting. It is. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, how many people walk up with that line, you know? Yeah. So, so you knew it was a part of you, but it also sounds like, and I think I would have been this way, especially in high school. There was a part of you that I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but do, do you feel like looking back on it, you were um, like a little bit dissociated from the actual, the actual gravity of that event? Like it's a really cool headline, but you had not, you'd never thought about what it meant, what that really meant. Almost, I mean, honestly, up until just recently, when I was introduced to this whole community, I was it's always, the, even when I wrote the first book and the second book and I was shooting the film, I was always the guy researching that story. You know, what happened to that guy? What happened to that baby? It was never me. It was, I was just covering a story about somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like anything shifted for you when you had your own child? Thinking about thinking back about what a, what your mom had been through was it with a kidnapping. So what what really shifted was the fact that before I had Emma, my daughter, I've always wanted to find out for sure if I was really their kidnapped child. But I didn't have the means, and I really didn't have the motivation to really upset them, uh -huh. because they never wanted to talk about it and relive that moment. But once I had Emma, and the doctor said, "What's your medical history?" I spotted off what I was always told. But I really started thinking, I have this child now that's relying on me. What am I doing her an injustice by not knowing for sure? Medically, emotionally, all these different things. So that's when I that's when I, I told my, my wife then, Michelle, I said, I've got to find out. Am I really Paul or am I somebody else? That's when I decided to start crafting a way to get that done. So what was the first step you took to find out? So we, we joked about, like, my parents came out quite a bit to see Emma because it's their only grandchild. So when they stayed over at the house, I joked about getting hairs off their pillows mm -hmm. when they went to church, you know, that kind of stuff, put in a baggie. But then I'm, I'm researching a lot and go, oh, there's, there's no, I can't, I can't afford these tests are like thousands of dollars. Right. You know, and only a crime lab can do it. Yeah. You're like, dude, we are totally not NCIS or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but then uh, one day, a few years later, I was in a CBS. And I saw an identity paternity kit. Ding, ding, and ding. And I thought, I thought, wow, I could afford it. It's like 26 bucks and a couple of like a hundred bucks to get a process, whatever it was. So I bought it and I put it in my bathroom cabinet. And I thought one day I'm going to have the nerve to get this done. So in 2012, my parents came out to visit us and they were here for a whole week. And it was the last day I was going to take them to the airport in about an hour. They've been here for a whole week and I just kept thinking about it, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. So finally we're sitting in the kitchen. I kind of blurted out, Hey mom and dad, did you ever really, really wonder if I was your child? And I, my mom's like, thought about it. I'm like, what if we had a way to find out for sure? Would you want to know? My mom's like, yeah, maybe hold on. I ran to the, the cabinet. Oh my God, Jack. <laughs> pulled out the identity gene kit right around the kitchen table. And next thing you know, five minutes later, we're swabbing away and I'm sealing up the bags and inside I'm going, I finally did it. Finally got this going, you know? 
And my parents, I, th- I think I caught them off guard. Oh, uh, yeah. You think? Because they, they did what, it. What, what, what? Right? So I took, yeah. I took them to the airport. It's like a 15-minute drive, but it felt like it, like it took 15 years. They didn't say a word to me. Drop them off. They just get out of the car silently and they leave. They're I'm in like, so much shock. They're in so much shock. They just, the Pandora's box is not going to be opened. Right? We buried this for 50 years, and now all of a sudden, it's going to relive in our hearts. So they get home. Couple hours later, they, my phone rings. It's my mom. Mom's like, "Don't do it. Don't send it in. We don't want to know you're our son." Aww. But in my mind, I'm like, "This is it's a done deal. Uh, I'm not. I'm not turning back. How could you come this close to learning the truth and just go? Ah, I'm just going to forget about it and put it put it away." However, being the good Catholic son that I was, with the Catholic guilt, I put that thing on my desk for about a week, and I walked by it. 30 times a day, looking at it going, I really want to do this. I really want to do this. So one morning, I just grabbed it, walked across the street to the mailbox, I put it in the mailbox. And wouldn't you know, it got stuck. No, it didn't. Half in, half out. I swear to God. No, it didn't. <laughs> I swear to God. I'll, I'll never lie to you. Half in, half out. And I think it was the universe saying, this is your chance. You can either go through with this, the rabbit hole, or you could just pull it back out and forget about it. That's what started this whole journey. Wow. And so how long was it before the results came back? A couple of weeks. Okay. And what did the results say? There's no remote possibility that you are the child of Dora and Chester Franzak. Mm-hmm. So even though I knew it, I mean, I knew it, right? For years and years, I felt this. But once you actually hear the words and you know it's, 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 a, it's a fact, it's cold, heart, steel fact, I felt the color drain from my face. And everything I thought of and knew about my life just disappeared. I mean, number one, I always knew I wasn't a Taurus. <laughs> I just knew it. Okay. Yeah. I just no way, you know? And then the whole Polish thing. I always had a feeling I wasn't Polish. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and of course, there's more important issues too. Mm-hmm. Like, how old am I? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Where did I come from? And why did I end up in this situation? Yeah, like what is the story? Yeah, I mean. But I'll be honest with you. The biggest thought that came across my mind, I'm not lying to you here either. What happened to my parents' child? I'm not Paul. I'm not their kidnapped child. All I thought was, I want to find their kidnapped child. So still thinking of that child, still, even now you've got this information about yourself, but still sort of from the outside looking in. I felt like... My parents gave me a wonderful life. They're amazing people. And this horrible thing happened to them that was never solved. Maybe I could find their child and maybe help pay them back for the life that they gave me. And I thought I was really fucking naive. I thought, I'll start this. I'll find, I'll find them in a couple of days. We'll wrap it up. We'll have a beer and it'll be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. anything like that. No, yeah. no. Here we are, 2023. Yeah. What did your parents think about that idea? Okay, that's where it gets a little little choppy. That's where the waters get choppy. Mm. So I decided the best way to find Paul would be to go to the media, right? Because I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what to do. So I contacted George Knapp out here. He's a Cracker Jack reporter, like old school, like pound in the pavement. He, he cracked Area 51. He's won numerous Peabody Awards for his, his reporting. Just a really cool guy. 
So I found out on like Thursday or Friday, I wasn't Paul. On Saturday morning, I sent him a little, like three sentences to his email for, you know, CBS out here, KLAS TV. I just said, this is my story. What do you think? He got back to me within an hour. I want to meet you. So on Monday, I went down to the TV station and we talked for a little bit. And he's like, holy shit, we've got to get this on the air. And at the end, he goes, by the way, don't you want to know who you are? Yeah. And I was like, I, I guess I do. I wasn't even thinking about it. I just got wrapped up in trying to find Paul. Right. So he said, he goes, look, we're going to put, put together a segment. He said, I'm telling you, it's going to go national overnight. He said, you've got to tell your parents. Don't let them find out by watching the news. My parents were both almost in their 80s, right? A little older, a little hard of hearing. And I didn't want to try to tell them on the phone because they'd only hear what they want to hear. And then they would shut down. And that wouldn't work. So I thought, I'm going to send them an email. That way they can process it. They can read it 100 times if they want to, right? Really get the reactions down of how they want to proceed. That's what I did. I sent an email. In retrospect, do you feel like that was the right choice? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. If I would have called them, they would, they would, have, missed, they would have missed half of it. And it just would have been a real shit show. Uh-huh. So this way they could really understand it and read it and really get the gist of what I'm trying to say. And it's funny because when I sat down to write it, it's like the words just flew out of me. I did it in one take. I just knocked it out. And it was, it was perfect. I thought this is going to ease them into it. I want them on this journey with me to help find their kidnapped child. That's it. It didn't go as planned. No, no, it didn't. No. Hmm. <laughs> no. See, in, in my head, it uh-huh. was like, it's, it's going to, Awesome. They're going to like, yeah, let's do this together. We love you. Yeah. Like good plan. Yeah. Yeah. Great plan. And right mm-hmm. in, until the execution, they, uh, when they got the email, I didn't hear from him for a couple of days. Mm. And then they called me. My mom said, started screaming at me. You, you don't love us. We're not good enough parents for you. You want to find your real parents? My dad got on the phone. He just said one thing. You're an asshole. That was it. And my dad never, he never really swore, you know? I think I heard him swear one time we were putting up a basketball backboard on the garage and he hit his hand, his thumb with a hammer and he said, fuck. And he goes, don't tell your mom. Just like that. And I was like, oh, <laughs> whoa. And I was happy. My dad actually knew that word. It was kind of cool. Right. <laughs> a bonding moment. Right. It really was. Actually, you know, if I would have smoked, I would have had a cigarette at that, at that point. Right. Did, were you like, but the email, it was so perfect. Well, they hung up on me, you know, so. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk, I'm going to say, a couple of months after that. And when did the news story go? A couple of days later. Yeah. And just like George said, it went national. I had every, Matt Lauer wanted to send a helicopter to pick me up to go do the, the day show. Did you do it? Did you get in a helicopter? I did not. No. Oh. The first thing I did, I did an inside edition, which was my first dabble at this story. Mm-hmm. And it, it did pretty good, but it wasn't. I wanted to find Paul and, you know, do good things. And that was more sensationalized. So I went to New York with Michelle and Emma and every network wanted to meet with me. So we set up all these different meetings. We met with uh, CBS, NBC, uh, 2020, and it was ABC. And the best, the nicest person was Barbara Walters. She had us in, she took Emma, she had Emma on her lap the whole time. And she's like, her daughter was adopted. And she said, her daughter, had questions about her identity and things like that. So she really felt close to the story. So I said, you know what? Let's do 2020. Yeah. And that's what, that's what we did. 
And that was what year? 20, 2013. Okay. I ended up doing two with them, 2013 and 2014. Two of the, one of the higher rated shows they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Saying. Not surprised. I'm not surprised. It was a great experience. Yeah. Okay. And so that, that, I mean, I'm just sort of imagining this like tidal wave opening, you know, an open, like Pandora's box opened, but now an ocean of information or is it, is it coming at you? So then what happened? So George and I set up the, who is Paul Franzek Facebook page. So we can get tips and information from people that might know something. And that page started blowing up. And then wow. I started getting requests to do different shows and all these different things to get the word out, to try to try to find Paul and maybe find out who I was too. And then I started doing DNA. So I did a, I did a co- couple of coast to coast AM radio shows with George. Cause George also does the coast thing for that show. He does a couple of shows a month, right? Amazing radio show, which I've listened to cause I'm a big X-File guy in twilight zone and paranormal stuff. So when George asked me to do the radio show, I said, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And CC Moore, who's the top genealogist in our country, happened to hear it. She reached out on the Facebook page. Hey, I want to help you find out who you are. Maybe help find Paul. Did you notice when there was, like, I'm no, like, <clears throat> like, did, are you noticing when people say, I want to help find Paul versus I want to help find you first? Well, or the order they're saying things in, does that matter? No, because I mean, because I was the one saying, I, we need to find Paul. Right. Because that was more important to me. But when you start off to find a child that's been kidnapped 50 years ago, mm-hmm. your hopes are a little, most people said, why, why waste your time? He's probably dead. You're not going to find him. And just let it lie. Mm-hmm. And I kept saying, I'm going to find this guy. I'm going to find him. We're going to have a beer together. We'll be on the cover of Time Magazine. It's going to be great. You know, and I remember telling that to Barbara Walters and she's like, you're cautiously optimistic. I love that about you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, we're, we're going to find him, Barbara. You know, she had me do the, the view live view show. Oh, sure. And I, mm-hmm. and I walked out and we're just laughing, having a good time. And I'm like, this is amazing that she's just so cool. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But. uh, And then what happened? Did you find Paul? We found Paul. How long did that take? Well, considering that everyone, the world thought we wouldn't find him. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that long at all. Yeah. But it took a while. We found him in 2019. Okay. Six yeah. years. Yeah. Not so bad, right? That's not so bad. You know, it's funny because when this, when I, when I started this in 20, 2012, 2013, DNA was just barely getting started. Right. No one was doing it. Ancestry. When I first put my DNA on there, I had no matches. Mm-hmm. None. For, right. for like two or three months. Oh wow! I'm, I'm like, this is this is really not building my confidence, mm-hmm. you know. They're like, you are an anomaly. Yeah, this is this sucks. And then I, I had one hit, and that was my 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 uh, second sec, third cousin, Alan Fish, second cousin. And so I, you know, his children bought him a kit because he turned out that he was adopted, and he wanted to find his real parents. There you go. Him and I call each other like, oh my god, we found family. I'm like, tell me about yourself. He goes. I don't know anything about myself. You're the only guy that matched me. And I said, you're the only guy that matched me. So we decided that we were going to meet in New York and he was going to be on the 2020 episode with me. Two days before we're supposed to meet in New York, he wakes up not feeling so good. Goes to the hospital to get checked out. He's telling everybody, you got to hurry up. I'm going to meet my cousin in New York, right? Just let's get this done. Died two days later. Just died. Gone. From what? 
he had an aneurysm. Oh. Yeah. Stopped his heart. So you never met him? I never met him, no. His family came out and met me in New York, which was amazing, my cousins. But I remember finding out I was driving, and I, I got the message that he passed away. And I pulled over and just started crying. I'm like, how, how can this happen? You know, his children will never see him again. I don't, I'll never get to meet him. You know, it's just, it was crazy. But that's how this whole story has been. Yeah, feeling so close. So close and yet so far. Over and over again. Yeah. So you asked about finding Paul. Okay. His daughters took a DNA test to find out if they had any family or whatever, right? And he, he came back as a, as a sibling match to David Franzak. 23 me because Dave was on there too. Here's the funny part. Dave never told me. Dave is? Dave Franzek, the real child of Dora and Chester, the real brother to Paul. David is the guy you grew up with as your brother. Correct. And he had done, he had sent in his DNA. Right. And not, and not told you this whole time. Right. Because he said he refused to help me. Because I asked him, I said, Let, let's find Paul. Mm -hmm. He's like, no, you can't do this to mom and dad. So he refused to help, but he went and sent his DNA in. And he came back as a sibling match to the, the girl's father. Oh, right? okay. He came back as an uncle to these girls. Right. But he and didn't so tell then, anybody. I was going to say, then what did, okay, he didn't tell you then. No. So what happened is I had a tipster reach out to me and say, I think I have a lead for you. It's going to help find the real Paul. And I love that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm a big Watergate fan, right? Three days of the condor, all that good stuff. So I start following up with, with this tipster. And sure enough, the stuff that she was saying made sense. So I had <laughs> one of my mom, Dora's sister's daughters, really, really cool cousin to me, send her DNA in. And sure as shit, she matched up to this, this family. As soon as that happened, they pulled their stuff off, but I already had the information I needed. And I had sent a couple of emails back and forth, you know, asking questions as, as the girl would have, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. Oh, just, I, I see we're a match. I don't recognize your name. You know, what, what's your family's name? Stuff like that. And yeah, sure enough. And then all of a sudden their stuff was completely gone of 23 yeah. and me, but I already had the information. I knew that we had Paul pretty cool, right? Very cool. Solved. One of the oldest kidnapping cases in our country. A little bit, a little bit confusing, because say who who tested again? Sh a cousins, who how, who? <laughs> so Dora Franzek, mm -hmm. my adopted mom. Right. She had a sister who had a daughter. Right. It's my it was. It, you grew up with her as my, a cousin. My cousin, who I thought was my cousin. Right. right. So she she offered to do her DNA for me. And someone matched with her. Yeah. So was she the tipster or someone else was? No, someone else was the tipster. Okay. Yeah, I can't say who it is. No, no, you can't. Because it's a tipster. It's deep throat. I get it. So those two things happen simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Someone said, I have this information that I think is going to help. Simultaneously, your cousin got a match. Well, I, I asked her to submit her DNA to 23andMe. Based on the tipster? Yes, based on the tipster. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, because I, I needed something from the Franzak side. Right, because, not knowing that your brother... Because I wasn't a Franzak, yeah. Right, not knowing that David had done it. Okay. Right, because I had right, I didn't know because this stuff was already gone. Yeah. I pulled it off. Oh. He didn't, he didn't tell anybody. 
Huh. All right. So you solved it. Great. Done. Yeah. Pa neat little package. Pretty awesome, right? Yeah. So once you knew you found him, what was your first phone call? So I reached out to him and his daughters made it clear that he wanted nothing to do with this. And right at the time he found out that he was the real Paul, he was diagnosed with cancer, a very aggressive cancer. And his time was really short. My only mission, I didn't care about meeting him. My mission was that my mom connect with him because my, my father already passed away. He died in 2017. We were able to have him call my mom. We basically said, I, I want nothing to do with this. I just want my mom to talk to you because you're her kidnapped child. He called her. They talked a few times. And then right before he passed away, my mom got to say goodbye to him. And to me, that, that made this whole journey worthwhile. That's all I wanted. I just wanted my mom to have some closure about what happened to her child. You know, it's awesome that when I started this whole journey, my parents were so mad at me. We didn't talk for years. After we did this and my mom got to say goodbye to him, she thanked me for starting this whole journey. She, she said, because you did this, I was able to say goodbye to him. Did he know before that test had come out that, that he had a story, a mystery no. story in his own? No. So he, he was sort of thrust into his own identity crisis of sorts. His mom lied to him, said that his, his dad was a famous football player that just couldn't stick around. Oh. Yeah. So he became an NPE at the same time that he was diagnosed with cancer. But he was able to connect with his biological mom. Correct. And did he, we don't, I mean, I know where he's not here to answer, but did he have questions of his own that were answered? From what my mom said, he wasn't really a talker. Like, he really, really just didn't have much to say, you know? Plus, he was, you know, he was dying of cancer, too. He was really ill and in shock. Yeah. Fairly confused. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be tough, you know? Can't even imagine. So then where does that leave you at this point? You found Paul. Yeah. This was the original impetus of the journey. Yeah. But now you're still standing here, formally Paul, and now who? In 2015, I found out who I really was. Thanks to Cece Moore and her team of DNA angels, just amazing women that they spent tireless hours helping me find out who I was. You know, just amazing people. But when I found out who I was in 2015, they said, oh, you know, your name is Jack, Jack Rosenthal. And before I could even process that, they said, you have a twin sister, Jill. She's missing. So now I'm on the quest to find Jill. I've heard this story. I know this is your story. And I'm still... Like, I'm not okay right now. Like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I just mean, like, I'm, I'm, I knew that was coming and I still feel shocked. And like, I got goosebumps and like my stomach is in my throat a little bit at, at each turn in your story. It doesn't get dull. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. But or I was going to say it doesn't get uh, easier. And I, but I don't, I don't really know if that's too dramatic. I was trying to find something less dramatic than it doesn't get easier. I just know that listen. I know that listeners out there are feeling like they don't know what is going on right now today on this podcast, and so I just wanted to acknowledge that I too, even though before we came on, knew what knew the story, I'm feeling stunned. So how did you feel when they said 
we know who you are. Your name is Jack Rosenthal and you have a twin sister. How did you feel? So my mind just snapped into the place immediately. I'm like, I've got to find Jill. I've got to do it. You know, that's, I, I, I can't stop. I've got to find Jill now. You know, instead of finding one person, I'm sorry, two people, because I had to find myself. Now I have to find another two people. I've got to find Paul and I've got to find Jill. Do you think that you leapt to that quickly so that you didn't have to process the shock of it? I, yeah, I didn't have time to process anything. I mean, I like the name Jack. I thought that's a cool name. I never liked Paul. Jack felt better. It just feels natural. Being called Paul just never felt right to me. You know, I just, I don't look like a Paul. <laughs> I was just thinking that. I wasn't going to say anything, but. Yeah, right. I knew it. Super, super embarrassed for you. Everyone says that, you know, you're not a Taurus. You're not Paul. We, we just, we know it. I'm a Scorpio and I'm Jack. This feels better. Yeah. So this uh, just jumped in and started a. Uh, working on finding Jill, you know, started digging graves and knocking on doors and doing all the stuff that, you know, that's what you do when you want to find your sister. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you would know. You would know. How did you collect the information about the story? Like, you know, you weren't just like, okay, I got to find Jill. Didn't you say like, what do you mean I have a sister? What happened? Or something like that? Did they have newspaper clippings or what did they have that gave you information about this other baby named Paul, Jack. Jack. <laughs> we need a we need a PowerPoint, Eve. All right. So when CC Moore told me that my name was Jack, they didn't know much more either. They had just found they had just found this information out, and they let me know immediately. So once we found out that I was really Jack, then we started diving in to find out more about my family, reverse engineer my tree and relatives, and all that all that sort of thing. So it started with my grandpa, Harry. He had a barbershop on the boardwalk in Atlantic City. I'm from Atlantic City. He owed the mob some money. He went missing. So he, he just left his family to be evicted. So that was in the newspapers. My dad and his brother, right? And then when the twins were born, Jack and Jill, they happened to be the same birthday as my older sister. So that was in the newspaper. Oh. So we, we have a whole paper trail that we found our birth certificates. These nosy journalists. Yeah, right. Good thing it was a smaller town back then. Yeah. Like this Rosenthal family. They're getting right? evicted. They got birthdays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh that's how we found out. We started finding out more information about everything. And we started uh I actually found a babysitter that watched us one night, only one night, and she ran out of there. Mm-hmm. My parents were the nicest people to me in jail. They kept us upstairs in a dark room in separate pens or cages. Whatever you want to call them, with no food, dirty diapers. I had a black eye, but I had two older sisters that were out playing outside in the sunshine, dressed to the nines. So that's a uh, that's uh, that's our story. And how did how was it to hear that for the first time? Broke my heart. I know when I was found, the picture of me being held by the social worker, I had a black eye. So I'm apparently I've had quite a few. Right. Should have seen the other guy. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's a that takes a dark. Your story takes a dark turn. Again, it's never been been rosy, but then to find out, oh, you had a twin sister. Oh, you were maybe kept in cages. You had a black eye. You were maybe secret children. Yeah. I mean, is your mind just reeling at this point? I just I just want to find answers. I, I keep searching. You know, we're still working on this. 
because I'm determined to find Jill. And the more I learn about it, then the better I feel about it because I, I need to have answers. You know, there's got to be a reason for what happened. Did you find any more answers? So I was finally able to open a missing persons case with the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. I had opened a missing persons case in Atlantic City with the ACPD. The detective gave me a fake number, missing persons case. It kept me waiting for a year until, until NECMEC finally said, we can't do anything with this. It's a fake number. That is so weird. So why after 50 years is the ACPD still not willing to investigate this story? So I was able to get a, a New Jersey state trooper to actually open the story, open the case. And I'm working with NECMEC. And they're amazing. I love everything that they do. And I stand behind them and I'm an advocate for them. And, and, and what is their role? How do they help with the search for Jill? They, uh, they launch campaigns. You know, have you seen this, this, this girl missing since whenever? And uh, there's a, a couple of girls came forward that they found and they had just tested them for DNA, still waiting for the results. Right now you're waiting for the results? Yeah. I've had about five or six along the way that thought they were Jill. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I get to know them. We, you know, we just talk a lot and everything. And then unfortunately, DNA rules them out. And then everyone's sad. Everybody's sad. But I get to meet really cool people. Mm -hmm. You get your therapist wheels turning? A little bit. This is interesting because your story is so complicated with plot points, right? Like there's all these details that we need so that people can sort of just follow along. Yeah. Um. So I, so those are the questions I feel like I need to be asking to, to, to move it. Maybe I should have had you just tell your memorized sort of talk. But... um. I mean, not your, you know, like your, the, 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 the you're way. You're pretty funny. You're, you're funny, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm glad I'm keeping you amused. But, but also there's, there, there's so much about, there's so, it's, it's like, I mean, this is just a, it's just a, it's just a big, this is just a big story. It's a big story and it's, and it's heavy and it has these turns a lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. Are you ever feeling like it's heavy as you go through it? Sometimes. I mean, I've like when I was, there was a point where my, we found my, my, my old grandma's house in Atlantic City. And so me and my colleague, Alex, we went down there and we hired a guy to do a radar sweep of the property. The house is gone, but the lot's still there. So I thought if something happened to my sister, maybe they just buried her there, you know, in the backyard. So we actually had this guy do a quick radar sweep and we found three possible grave sites. So I, I went down there and it was summertime and it was hot, man. It was so hot. So I started digging a hole because he, we had X'd out three different possible grave sites. I picked the one closest, closest to where the house porch would have been. Started digging down and I got maybe a couple feet down. I mean, I'm in pretty good shape, but it's, it's hot out, humid, right? And I'm digging a hole. This guy, like a pool digging crew, was next door digging a pool. You want to help dig a hole? I'll pay you cash. He's like, yeah, sure. That's I do this for a living. You know, besides, you probably think I'm going to have a heart attack, you know, because he's like 25 and I'm like, you know, a little older. So he starts digging down and he gets down pretty far. And he looked up at me and he said, hey, what are we, what are we looking for? And I said, possibly my sister's remains. He goes, I got, I, he goes, I have a daughter. He started digging faster and faster. faster. The water starts coming up from the Atlantic Ocean because we're a couple blocks off the boardwalk. All of a sudden, you hear tink, 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 little bones falling in the shovel. 
And there was about maybe six or seven of us there, right? You could hear a pin drop. He brings the shovel up. He says, man, I've been digging holes out here for years. I never, I never found one bone, let alone a shovel full. Like, what the fuck, right? So, of course, Alex and I gather all the stuff together. Alex brings it to his buddy who works in the museum in New York. They were animal bones. Someone felt a need to bury them six feet down. But luckily, you know, they weren't my sister, which gave me more hope that maybe she's still alive. But that's one of, that's one of those moments where you go, wow, this is, this is real. I mean, I'm digging a grave looking for my possible sister buried here. You know? So that's one of the moments where you really start, you really start feeling it. And then when Alan passed away, I really felt that emotionally. There's been a lot of, a lot of key points in this, in this story, you know? But there's just so many of them that you start going, you know what? Okay, that didn't work out. We'll try the next thing. Right. You know? And when you say, yeah. So it, it feels like you keep it really cerebral. And I wonder if that's out of necessity. Because there are so many moving parts. And because it, and it is so heavy, you have to keep, but you have to keep going. I can't stop now. No. Got 11 years in this. Right. So do you, uh, who, so who came to you? Let's see. What's the next question I want to ask? So there's some, there's some books, there's a movie. Okay. So when I first started this on the, the, who is Paul Facebook page, I never realized that there were thousands of people out there who have no idea who they are. And they started writing me going, can you give me advice? Or, you know, your story is inspiring me to start my own journey. You should write a book. I think you could help a lot of people. And I heard that over and over and over. So I thought maybe it's a good idea because it'd be therapeutic for me. So when I went to New York, Alex Tresnowski, who's an amazing author, he sent me a package to my house saying, hey, I love your story. I'd love to work with you. Maybe we can do a book together would you like that so i met him in new york we sat down at the empire bar and we each ordered a heineken and we started talking about the movie get shorty and we knew every line in that movie I looked at alex and i said you're the guy we're going right. to do this journey together you're my yeah. new best friend exactly so we, we started writing the book on the road we were we'd run down leads we'd knock on doors we do and then at night we would write We'd put the book together. So the first book, The Foundling, is like a journey that you're actually on the road with me. And that's what I wanted. I wanted you to feel everything that I went through. I didn't want to just retell it because it was happening then. So I wanted to take you along on that journey. <laughs> you're just shaking your head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just think about that. Think about that journey. I, you know what I will, well, honestly, it's like we're moving so fast. I'll be, that I, I was now, I was, I was back to thinking about Paul, while you were telling me that, I was thinking about Paul and wondering what his daughters were thinking and feeling <laughs> when all that was happening, when you, when, when they took the DNA test and they figured out that their dad had been a kidnapped baby yeah. and he was dying. Did they have anybody to ask questions to? So from what I understand, they talked to Dave a little bit, but seemed like they just wanted information and what they wanted to keep it private. They didn't want anyone to know. And I think partly because they thought that people would think that their grandma was the kidnapper mm -hmm. and they, they wanted nothing to do with that. So they wanted to keep the real Paul's name private. 
His name's Kevin. They wanted to keep Kevin's name private, and I promised to do the same. I didn't mention his name ever until it broke in the news by somebody else. I had nothing to do with that because I always keep my word. If I say I'm not going to give your name or anything about you, I, I mean it, and I do it. And, you know, when it came out, I, I had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. But so the daughters, they actually went and met their grandma, you know, my, my adopted mom, Dora. They got to meet her, spend some time with her and talk with her a little bit and stuff like that. But they're, they're not really carrying on a, a relationship or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's just too hard for them. Yeah. They don't, you know, they just don't really, they can't really grasp what really happened. And what I've learned on this journey is that a lot of people don't want to accept the bad that's happened. Mm. And, and by not accepting it, it's, it's like it never happened. Right. You know, and yeah. I, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. To me, if something bad happened, you've got to face it, process it, and then you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just can't go there. I mean, we've talked on the show before about, uh, talked to people about, about the, the those people who who have a DNA discovery and there's no one they can ask to get answers, you know. And I and I think there's something there's something to be said about its own the the this the like sort of special brand of of frustration and heartbreak in the unknown that they can never get they can never get the story yeah and it it just occurs to me that that would be the double uh, the double whammy also of their dad being diagnosed with cancer and and this family mystery exploding um i feel for them yeah yeah i feel for them I feel I feel for everyone in this whole story. Yeah, yeah. When I met the the nurse intern that was there with my mom when the hospital Paul was gone, she had to go through all the classes with my mom, the Lamaze classes and all that, and act like everything was fine. But she knew Paul was kidnapped, and that happened when she was maybe twenty one, something like that. She was super young, maybe nineteen. And when I met her when we shot the film. She was still crying about it. And she brought that with her her whole entire life. Just like the babysitter who watched us that one night and saw that we were abused. She she kept that with her her whole life. How could you not? How could you not? Oh my yeah. gosh, you're 21 years old? Nurse? Maybe younger. She might have been 19. I don't know. Oh my but gosh. Super nice. Super nice lady, you know? So this story has affected a lot of people. So whenever I get good answers, I, I'm so elated because it's not only helping me, but it's helping everyone involved. And maybe it might help someone else out there that's going through the same thing, you know? So someone that is going through the same thing, what do you say to them? I'm Okay, so I want to do everything I can to help people, whether it's inspirational, whether it's knocking on, on a door with them, whether it's digging a hole, whatever I can do to make their journey easier and help them see it through. I'm willing to do. A lot of people in the DNA discovery community feel like they experience an existential crisis when they when they find out when the DNA comes back and tells them they're not who they thought they were or their parents aren't who they thought they were. Did, did you feel that way? No. No, I was like, okay, I've got to solve this. Mm-hmm. Got the information. Nice. Okay, I'm not Paul. Got to find Paul. Right. I know find out who I am. But by finding Paul, did you feel like you found out who you were? Well, I found out who I was before we found Paul, right? So I already knew who I was. But by finding Paul, it made me really, really realize that 
I can't keep his name because he's Paul. So how can there be two Paul Franzaks walking around? Mm-hmm. You know? So that's when I, I really felt comfortable starting to use Jack. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so when you found out who you were, you mean that so literally, like you found a birth, you know, you found, did you find a birth certificate? You did. You said you found, yes. so you found a birth certificate. So you found like who your name, you know, the letters of your name. When you say I found out who I was, it was like the letters of your name and the sort of when and where you were born and the family you were a part of. Right. Did that bring as much closure as you wanted? Okay. So it helped me understand me better. Like I know why I'm drawn to things that I am, my personality, things that I do in my life are just like some of the cousins that I met. And it's, it's cool because we just found a whole bunch of new family in Tennessee. That was really cool. That is really cool. It's close. Super close. Yeah. And they're really great people. And I understand where I got my, my looks and my personality from, which is, it's a big thing, you know, because we all want to know why we are the way we are. It's one of the most fundamental questions I think that as humans we have. So it made me feel better about things, but I still want to find Jill. Mm-hmm. So I don't have full closure yet. No. What's the second book? Second book is called True Identity. That picks up where the first book left off. The, fo- the founding was the journey to try to find out who I was and find Paul. So the second book is the aftermath. What happens when you find the answers that you're looking for? How has it affected those around you and yourself? And what do you do to get through that, working through it? What do you do to get through it? Keep looking for Jill. Keep looking for Jill. And I'm going to start a a new project where I'm going to try to actually help people in situations like this, help them find out maybe who they are or get through anything that they're dealing with, you know, NPEs, adoptees, Mm -hmm. like that. Because I find that by helping other people, it really helps me. Yeah. Yeah. I find that too. We have that in common. We do. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. What's it been like for you to come into this sort of um, this this sort of newer to you community of DNA discovery, NPEs, adoptees? What's that been like for you? I'll tell you honestly, it's it's really amazing because. I've done speaking and things, but it's always been crime, true crime, DNA, genealogy stuff. When I gave the keynote in Kentucky for the summit, right? So many amazing people and people that actually, they want to know the deeper meanings of what's happened, not just the sensationalism, you know, not just who died or, you know, was it bloody, right? They want to know what what the, the feeling is, the meaning behind it. How is it really affecting you? And I really enjoyed that aspect of it because it you know it it makes you it makes me more human you know i'm not just a guy with a cool story you know it's it goes way deeper than that and i'm grateful to be a part of the the adoptee community the npe community it just you know it we all work together we can all help each other and i'm working with hyrith now Hyrith hope and healing We're, we're actually partnering partnering up on a big big thing i'm working on right now all i can say but stay tuned it's going to be good and everyone involved with them and the people i'm working with they're just amazing people that just want to do good and help people that's so great the thing i love is that it's it 
feels like when you describe it that way that you your journey is still a you're still on the journey to to put in the puzzle pieces about where Jill is right and so the that um mystery and sort of like cerebral details will continue but that you have been open to to a new journey which is sort of this new journey of of the heart so to speak or you know and and of human connection and that you're you're finding a new way a new way to to grow within 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 the exciting mystery absolutely yeah you know, a friend of mine, Autumn Sampson, she has a movie out called Reckoning with the Primal Wound. And that's the first thing I saw that brought me into this community. And it's funny because a friend of mine and I were watching my film, The Lost Sons. And things I was saying back then, I had no idea that it was part of all this. Because I didn't know anything about that. I was just speaking how I felt. Turns out that the way I feel is the way a lot of people feel that are in the situation, whether you're adopted, an NPE, you know, those, there's a huge thing and it's, it's science. This is real. This is actually, it's not just a one-off and it's, it's helping me be, be a better person to understand myself so I can be a better human being, a better dad, a better friend, a better everything. Right. And so if it helps me, then maybe we can help other people too that aren't aware of these things, all the tools that we have, therapy, all just all kinds of good things that can really help people get through these really tough times. I talk so much about how powerful it is to discover you're not alone. And it didn't occur to me until you were just now describing the experience of watching Reckoning with the Primal Wound, that for you, you were kind of alone on this journey until fairly recently. Yeah, I was totally. I was going, I was going through it, but I didn't know anything about it all these people did actually understand a little bit about how you feel. And so I was abandoned. I was put in foster care and then I was adopted. So I checked all the boxes. Yeah. You know, so wonder I came out. Okay. Huh? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Who said you're okay. Hey, 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 mm. it's tough. It's good. It's a, it's all good. It's all big. I'm trying to think of some lovely questions to bring us to a conclusion because this could go on forever for someone that's hearing your story for the very first time what is it that you hope they're hearing or learning about you or about people no that's a good question that's a good question i hope that anyone who listens to my story or is intrigued by my story that it helps them find their truth start their journey no matter how hard you think it might be. It's better to know the truth, process it, and move forward than to live a lie and assume things or make things up in your head because those are always worse than once you know than knowing the truth. You know? Just don't be afraid to start because we only get to live once. And if you're living a lie, you're not living at all. If people want to get a hold of you, or learn more about you, your story, your book, your movies? What do they do? Forensicfiles.com. That'll be on my website and that'll be on me. That'll be on social media when this episode goes up, just so you know, everybody. And if you need help finding it, contact me and I will direct you to the right place. And I answer everything. So whether it's a comment, a tip, just you want to just say hi, 
do it, right? ForensicFiles.com. ForensicFiles.com. This was really great. It's a pleasure speaking with you. It really is. It's a pleasure meeting you at Summit, and it's a pleasure meeting you here. Oh, thanks, Jack. Thanks for, I mean, really, though, thanks for just being flexible and, and rolling with it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. This was really fun. All right. All right. Thanks, Eve. I appreciate it. Okay, cool. Okay. Bye, Jack. Bye. Of course, of course. Uh, I am super grateful to be connected with Jack and that he took some time out of his busy schedule to sit with me um, and manage through my wonky, my wonky podcast style. Um, he did say at some point during our time together, he'd never had a podcast experience like mine. And I'm just gonna, I've decided that's a good thing. I've decided he meant that in all the right ways. Um, this is it, folks. We did it. Episode 100. What do you think? There are some very big and popular and famous podcasts out there who get to 100. No problem. I'm actually, I don't know if you guys knew that my husband had a podcast. I wonder if he got to 100. They may have even gotten to 200. But anyway, the point is, there's no award for this milestone. So there won't be any opportunities for a speech. So this is it. This is my opportunity for a speech. Um, and really, all I have to say is thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening, for encouraging me, for reviewing me, for sending me notes, for sharing it with your friends, for spending time with me. And oh, oh my God, obviously, thank you to all of the guests who have taken time out of their lives to talk with me and help me for helping me and all the listeners feel less alone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And hey, here's something funny. This season isn't over. Uh, <laughs> 100's a really big deal. And I already knew we would be going over 100 episodes this season, but it just seemed like the number to make a big hoopla out of, right? Like it's, it's harder to be like 103, woo! So it's, we're still going. So here's, here's what's going to happen. Next week, episode 101. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be so great. And so is episode 102, 103, 104. And then, so it's four weeks still going. And then episode 105 is going to be the last episode of the season. That will be my finale for 2023. I think that's going to be late October. <laughs> I can do some quick counting of weeks, uh, like third week of October. And for that episode, we have decided we're going to do this. Kaylin, my husband, is going to interview me. I'm going to tell my story for this podcast. And then we're going to tell you what the plan is next for 2024. Whew, saying all that um, made me really nervous because telling you all of that, what I'm going to do, telling you the story um, and telling you our plans means it's got to happen, right? I feel like I'm going to throw up, right? And maybe again, when Kaylin and I sit down to do the actual interview. Okay, well, doesn't matter because that's not for five more weeks. Come back over the next few weeks. Meet some wonderful people with big stories. Be a part of this community that wants everyone to know you are not alone. And hey, don't forget to do whatever you need to do to prepare for winter because it's coming. Uh. This is Everything's Relative. I'm Eve Sturgis. Bye-bye.
Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. So is this your actual show? This is the, we're doing the show right now? I'm going to edit it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm just wondering, you know, usually people say, hey, we're going to start the show now or... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, we don't do that? Okay. Yeah, no worries. I just... Yeah, yeah, I didn't even once. like do like, I'm sitting here and I'm here today. This is Everything's Relative. I'm here today with Jack Bronzak. Um, <laughs> yeah. We can do it that way. That's, that's a great opening. I love that. Uh-huh. I'm here with Jack and uh, that's about it. So I'm here with Jack. I was running behind. That always throws me off. Um, yeah. So, what I don't here's here's what I'll tell you. I'll tell you this. What I don't want to do is for you to just tell me. I don't want you to just launch in. I don't want to just want you to launch into like the whole the whole like memorized. Shield. Are you saying my stuff's memorized? I'm saying I want it to be a conversation. It shall be a conversation. That's a really big bug flying around in your room. I told you. Wow, I saw that. I was like, <laughs> Jesus. I think it's huge. Oh my God. It's huge. <laughs> I can't believe how fast. Hmm? I can't believe how fast the, I can't believe how fast the time's gone already. And I just keep laughing inside going, how are you gonna edit this? I can't wait mm -hmm, to I don't hear know. it. <laughs> <laughs> my poor editor. I mean, yeah. I gotta do it first and then I give it to her. But um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be a late night, folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels like. Um, wait, there's a word I want to say. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Jack. What is the word? It's not cognitive, but that's the word. I have to Google it. <laughs> I'm gonna Google it. <sighs> uh. I'll never forget this podcast. I know this is the best. This is the best interview I've ever done. Um, 